Well, where, where did we leave off on the whole rut thing? Um, it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of reason for it, though. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's a lot of reason. Um, it's the lack of, well, it's the desire for, for me at least, institutional support, mentorship. Yeah. The reluctance to chase either because I hate accountability. Yeah. Or certain types of accountability. I mean, there are some parallels to it and like between it and uh, like death anxiety too, if you think mm-hmm. about it and like terror management kind of stuff. Like, yeah. Because I think all of these are things that should be recognized and like steps that can be taken because it isn't quite, it's obviously not as final as death. So there are definitely course corrections or things you can avoid. Like there's ways of, I think of living in such a way that like, even if this rut comes back as a recurring thing at times or endures for a little while, you can make it get less crappy or you can get it to where it's going to last like a shorter time each, each time it comes back. But there is like that, that, terror at the center of it is very similar to something like a fear, like a deathly fear of dying. Mm-hmm. It's this one, uh, this one angle you can't see from, or this one box you can never check, or like it's, it's just that complete and perfect lack of control. Yeah. That is absolutely possible. Yeah. And I think it very reasonably unravels people. So there's also that element of this that I think it has to be like forgiven in a way. Sure. But that doesn't necessarily have to be a powerless thing or a passive thing because it it should be dealt with. And I, I liked Owen's thing about like just keep kind of pelting it, keep trying stuff, keep like, if like keep looking for that energy or doing whatever you have to do to preserve that hope. But I think there's also a layer of it that's like as you whittle it down closer and closer to the bone of like what's actually getting at you each time you feel it. I think there's a very human element of it. And people just scratch different levels of that surface. I also keep coming back to the desire thing. Yeah. I keep coming back to the, if only this were true, if only I was this person, if only future me will be happy. Yeah. And it's a cliche, you know, like the learn to be happy in the moment, live in the moment. Mm. I've never been good at that. I've always wanted this future for myself that I've never really been able to fully realize and especially like just take the steps to get there Mm. Um, or like the steps that I have taken to get there. It's really hard to have those steps recognized Mm -hmm. in a way that, because a lot of the time taking the steps doesn't mean like you might have advanced further toward the goal. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you advance professionally. It doesn't mean that, like, you would, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, writing a chapter of a novel doesn't, you're not going to get royalties for that, right, for that chapter. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like that's kind of the feeling, is metaphorically speaking, having written so many chapters, Mm -hmm. but it's still not, like, nothing is published yet. Yeah. And so you almost have to be looking at, well, once the book is finished, only then will credit be given to me for finishing it. Yeah. Only then will credit be getting given to me for writing anything at all. Yep. So there's a sense that, at least for me, this future me will be happy thought Yeah. is valid. Yeah. 
because I'm playing the long game. Yep. But that means I need to also learn how to play the short game. Yeah. And be happy now in the moment. And uh, there are times when I'm great at that. There are times when like flow state ameliorates a lot of my anxieties and a lot of my stresses. Yeah. There are times when I'm just really into baking. Yeah. <laughs> really into culinary stuff. Yeah. And I find that's a really good way to treat that that stress. It's just to do something that you know will, will like immerse you into a certain interesting moment. Yeah. You know, cooking a really good meal and sharing it with people, you can look back on that and it will be a rewarding memory to have. Yeah. Putting all of your effort into like, I don't know, just throwing a, a good house show or something, like you'll have that memory. Uh-huh. You can get into the flow state of organizing that, decorating for it, whatever. Yeah. Like there are so many ways to live in the moment and to be rewarded by that moment and to share the memory with people. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're actualized after that one thing. Yeah. So I think in terms of like playing the long game of self-actualization also means that you have to practice your short game and be okay with momentary discomfort and momentary bliss coupled together yeah, from day yeah, to day. Definitely. Because I, I think that's something that's lacking sometimes with either approach when it's singular, like when you get the hyper mindfulness, hyper present approach, mm-hmm. that's kind of like, there is no long game. Your deferred happiness is an illusion. Mm-hmm. I mean, that might be true in a sense, but I, I don't think that it has to be entirely. I think there is really something to be said for like, if I fulfill this goal or this part of myself, there will be a, a level of happiness that comes from that. There will be a level of like fulfillment but that also doesn't mean that by that point you won't be changed from spending however long getting there or even just developing kind of a, I don't know, an addiction to it, to mm-hmm. that chase. And then you are you get a downswing that might outdo that upswing just because you've lost this thing. So I think there's such value in looking at both of them together because if you play the short game effectively, you won't be depending as much on that addictive crutch. Yeah. And if you play the long game, like that's the hard part, you know, as we're finding to some extent now, like when the long game starts to get threadier, the short game has no meaning, Mm -hmm. but you still want the long. So it's really finding a way to make them live harmoniously seems like the healthiest way you can go about this, where you've got a sense of like beginning with the end in mind, but you've also kind of recognized that not every contribution is going to be recognized by that institution or the you know society at large in the ways that'll make it seem extrinsically rewarding in that mm-hmm. moment but you can still want those extrinsic rewards so it there's just i think it has to be so personalized like wanting any of those things isn't wrong but understanding the practical limitations and abilities of each of those things is crucial to uh, maintaining any level of happiness. And it's honestly, when I really think about this particular rut, this is just, it just feels like a blind side, but this one's on me. When I was Hmm. 18, it wasn't. (laughs) I was 18. Everyone's a fucking idiot when they're 18. But like... Yeah, very easy to get blindsided then. But I think the one sin that I carried forth from that was thinking it would never happen again. 
not because I was successful, just because I got it out of the way. Right. That's so fundamentally flawed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I think I'm paying for it. Yeah. I don't know what my takeaway from this is, really. From the rut, I mean. Yeah. I missed last year. <laughs> yeah, that was a good year, dude. <laughs> that was what balance felt like it was supposed to be in a weird way. Yeah. I always remember thinking like I just I would felt bad that so many people had to die for me to achieve that balance, you know? Cuz it was like it took that just the world shutting down for me to find inner peace for 2 months. And yeah. I was always like this is just overkill why mm-hmm. couldn't i have just figured this shit out by like meditating or like taking a class or something like other people but it felt good it was like the day-to-day we were always like calling each other talking about like like we're cooking or we're like doing projects or we're woodworking and like yeah but there was long goal like we were fun. starting this thing we were doing yeah. like these longer medium-term goals it was yeah that's that was the way things were nice and balanced mm-hmm that's why I feel like it might be a growth thing sometimes, though, because we didn't screw up any of those things. We just did them for a year. That's part of the rut, though, yeah. is not feeling like I've grown. Yeah. Part of the rut is knowing what a learning process and what an adjustment last year was and knowing that I like coped with that adjustment to a pretty satisfactory degree mm-hmm. and like kept things together. More so than I thought I would be able to. Yeah. I think a lot of people can probably say the same, and that's wonderful. And some people can't, and that's fine too. But a lot of where this rut is coming from for me is not just the institutional failures or the legacy failures or the uh, anything that feels like a failure from my past. A lot of it really is like I did all of this work on myself last year because I felt that it was necessary to survive the pandemic. Yeah. And for what? Yeah. Like none of it seems to matter a year later. Mm. And what do I bring with me post-pandemic from that learning process if we're not even post-pandemic yet? What yeah. do I, where do I apply all of that knowledge? Do I even believe any of those things anymore? Is everything that I learned about myself last year still true about myself? Yeah. Have I changed? I don't think I've changed too much. Yeah. But I don't know who I am anymore like as a social being. I don't know who I am anymore as a creative person because creativity needs like a social arena to be released into. Mm-hmm. At least a lot of the time it does. Yeah, there's just, there's a lot to be desired. And I'm grateful for all the work that felt necessary to do last year. I'm grateful for all of the like experimentation that it seemed to require. Yeah. But I don't know how to apply any of it. And I don't know if I remember a lot of it because so much of it didn't stick with me. I'm assuming that the parts that needed to stick with me did. Yeah. But I don't see myself now coping in the same way that I was then. So I wonder if any of that was actually true yeah, or if it only applied to a version of myself that I no longer am yeah, or if it only applied to a very specific phase of the, of the pandemic that is now over and now I won't ever need it again. But there's also the other side of it is like, it's hard to know where you would be if you didn't handle that. 
so well. Yeah, true. That like things might be monumentally shittier. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, it's a little bit of a pointless assertion, but it's still like we could have fallen into disrepair last year because a lot of people did that too, where they just completely fell apart and they developed addictions, which is a very human response to that level of trauma, mm -hmm. especially ongoing trauma. And I don't know, we found it in ourselves to not. Yeah. And maybe that's big. It doesn't feel it now because there was no like, you made it, you're past this point, look back and think about it. It's like now it's like, this still shit's just going on. And the other part of it though is like, we spent so much time, we always like would talk about just kind of the, the reflective elements of it or the, there was this quote I read by Aristotle talking about how to like frame an argument. And he said, the first thing you have to do is like clear the underbrush. And we spent so much of last year like clearing the underbrush of our pasts and our futures and our expectations and all this bullshit. And it felt soothing because it's like, it's like literally clearing underbrush, like you, you're cleaning up shit. But then at the end of it, you're just left with an empty yard mm. and absolutely no plan. <laughs> and yeah. it's kind of like, maybe it's that, like maybe we spent so much of that time and it was legitimately healthy, but at the end of it, we're just, we've achieved nothing mm -hmm. in a productive way. But it doesn't necessarily mean that like, there's also a foundation laid in that mm. spot. In a way, I mean, that would be an unfair expectation for us. We probably did go into it with at least the implicit, like this will lead to something. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I mean, I sure as hell did. Yeah, same. And, it, and that was strengthened over time, especially because I went to stuff like trying to go to school, trying to like get more in shape, like trying to do things that I thought were additive things. Yeah. And then they either ended or they just proved to be ongoing journeys or whatever. But I ended up with nothing and a lot longer to go to something than I had before. <laughs> <laughs> and the inability to go back. And it's just yeah. like, fuck, like, this is terrible. But again, it's like maybe, maybe we're just analyzing something that's less consequential with a lot more scrutiny than we would have if things weren't still a little bit draining, you know, like mm. it's just that molting because we are questioning it. And that's the first thing with all of this kind of crap is like talking yeah. about it. Like, I don't see a way that this phase feels good and also ends. I think it's one of those instances where the, the hope is causing the pain or the yeah. optimism is causing the pessimism or the depression. Mm -hmm. Like it's just acute. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's what I tell myself about it at least. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I was telling you the other day that like another part of the rut is I, I don't know what I believe in right now. Yeah. Like I don't know what to put my faith in. Mm. I don't know if there's like a cause that I feel I can fight for right now. I don't know that there is a endeavor that I feel deserves all of my energy. Yeah. And I guess what we learned about that last year is that that's the first step in the rebuilding process. Yeah. And I mean, it's something to bring curiosity to. The wisest and one of the earliest things my therapist told me was like, mm -hmm. frame some of these questions as questions. Like don't mm -hmm. think about them as crises as much as like, yeah, what, what does that mean? Like end it with kind of more of an interesting, like I don't know what movement to belong to. Like I wonder what movement... I belong to trying to treat it as more of a, 
an opening up as opposed to a freaking out about the stuff that's shut down, which is the very natural response to something shutting down. But yeah, I think another way to even flip it around is like, you know, you don't know what to believe in. You could also see that as I'm not wasting energy believing, making myself believe in something that I yeah. shouldn't be. Or like, I don't know what movement to belong to. Like, I'm not deluding myself into thinking that I belong to something because I'm afraid of not belonging to something. Mm-hmm. So again, it does nothing in the practical day-to-day feeling good sense, mm-hmm. but it can be seen as a victory or at least not a defeat. I guess something to make clear to the listeners is that a lot of this conversation may have sounded pessimistic or may have sounded kind of gloomy. And um, I think we've spent a lot of time during this conversation naming our fears and naming our dissatisfaction and the source of our the source of our existential dread mm. in a sense. But the last thing I want is is for this conversation to have just been like a, a venting session in vain yeah. and uh, for us to be only putting forth that we're, like I, I certainly don't want to be put, putting forth that I am deferring my happiness. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm not trying to say that I am. I'm trying to lay out the reasons that that is a easy place to go. Yeah. But I also don't think that that counts as the only way that things are going to get better. Yeah. And also none of this has been to say that like the lessons learned from last year are worthless at all. They just, they feel different now. They feel not applicable to right now. Yeah. And that's okay. This is just a different phase of life. And I've heard from other people too that like they're just going through they're also in ruts right now. Yeah. Which I think you also said at the beginning. I wonder if this is how other people feel, actually. The word that I would use for me is disconnected. Yeah. I mean, I do, I know a few people just offhand who, uh, who do. And I don't know how many other people are in our situation, but like, this does seem like it's not, I don't know, a consequence of either of our like own experiences it's like something about this type of stimulation or lack of stimulation whatever the hell's been happening to us the last year and a half like <laughs> this does seem like something that's happening to people yeah and honestly i mean i, I hate to harp on like covid stuff specifically because we've beat the shit out of that over the course of this but like <laughs> i think a lot of this stuff has filtered out depending like according to what people have lost Mm-hmm. or what people are like where people are kind of hanging out now like depending on like social scenes have changed mm. entire hangouts and and careers and things are gone mm-hmm. like there are just some very real world implications to being alive right now that will definitely turn into stuff like this and like I know for me, a lot of these things, as much as I like to philosophize about them or think about the psychological aspects of them, because it's just more interesting. Some of them are just really practical things. Like I, I miss the only places I've ever felt like I could fit in and hang out that are now gone mm-hmm. it, permanently. Or I miss hanging out with my friends because I can't anymore. Yeah. Or I miss that feeling of hope that I would get from even if tonight's gig sucked, tomorrow I have another gig. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. day after that, I will have another gig and I don't care if I have to sleep on floor. It's Now it's like if I sleep on a floor, I might bring back a virus that kills my whole family. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I can't see my friends. And where am I going to play gigs? 
potentially ever, you know, it's like, there's a lot of these very real things that I'm like, that just sucks. That's just one of those things that's like, it's just loss. Yeah. And it's easy to make it bigger because it's almost like it becomes something you can control or it feels like it is, but it's just this little weak spot that just sucks and hurts and grows. I don't know. Sometimes I also try to slow it down and just remember that, that like some of this is just a response mm -hmm. to a very real pain. And everyone has a different level of that right now. Yeah. For some people, it's pretty much over and they might be disconnected, but they're in the the cage and other people are disconnected and they're out of the cage. And <laughs> I don't know, man, it's, it's not a good good time, but... But I think the most pessimistic thing we could do is not try to figure it out or not try to talk yeah. about it and look at it from a thousand angles. And yeah. That's true pessimism. If I were more awake right now, I would want to talk more about how creativity filters through your social life. Oh, yeah. I think that would be a good topic for another day. But right now I'm I'm losing steam. Yeah. So Let's do that one, though. Next yeah. Time yeah. Let's try that out soon. That'd be fun. Um yeah, anyway, for now, this has been Joel and Matt are in a rut. <laughs> <laughs> More to come. Yeah. <laughs>